0: Amen. Thank you, Jesus. That's already good. It's already good. We're here. Good morning. Welcome to Decided Church. My name is Jim. Hi. It's nice to meet you. If you're a first-timer here this morning, we'd love to make you feel welcome. And one way we do that is to get a welcome card in your hand. So... If it's your first time with us or your first time in forever, just slip up your hand quickly, quietly. We'll have one of our ushers get to you. We'd love to get a little bit of information on you so we can write you a thank you card because you could just drive around. There's a church on every block. You could have chosen to worship anywhere, but you chose to be with us today, and we thank you for joining our family. We're truly a family. So thanks for being here. When you're done filling out that card, as you have adequate lighting to do so, there's a gray... Oh, gray. There's a grace offerings box. That's not gray, it's wood, and it's on your right-hand side as you exit the auditorium. Or you can just give it to somebody with a Decided Church name tag, too. That'll work. Um, We have a small gift for you as a thank you for coming to join us this morning. We're starting a brand new series, Matthew. It's called Outnumbered. In the subtitle, there is Evidence of Things Unseen. We're going to dive into that in a few weeks, I'm just going to let that marinate with you for for a little while. I'm not even touching that subtitle today, but uh, Outnumbered, that's where we are. We planned this series, actually. We don't don't plan a lot around here. We kind of have to fly by the seat of our pants sometimes, don't we, Stevie? But um, this one we planned because we knew we would be going into a season of this church that is very crazy. Might be very chaotic, might be very overwhelming, might feel very outnumbered, but it's going to be full of blessing and full of multiplication and full of excitement as a church. So we said, you know what? There's a series of awesome stories in the Old Testament, some patriarchs of the faith who found themselves in outnumbered situations, and we've got to pick their brain if we're going to do this thing the right way, if we're going to walk into this new season as a church with the right mindset, the right perspective going forward, we've got to dig deep and learn a little bit from those who have gone before us. These are stories that can directly relate to our situation. And most of all, you know what I I think? They serve as encouragement to us. They serve as encouragement to us because these, these, these patriarchs have, they've been there. They've found themselves literally surrounded, not figuratively, not by life circumstances, but literally surrounded in many situations. What did they do? How did they deal with it? How did they call out to God? What was their next step? Did they cave into the pressure? Did they overcome? What happened when they were outnumbered? So this morning, we're going to look at Abraham in just a little bit as he finds himself in an outnumbered situation. But I just want to talk to you today. This is one of those sermons where I just want to be your friend. I just want to conversate with you, Travis. Just sit down. This is Let's turn this auditorium into a family room, a living room. I want to talk to you as a friend. I want to encourage you because... Like I said just a few minutes ago, our church is going through a lot. There's families in here this morning that are going through a lot right now. I've seen it. I've, I've, I've read the late night texts. I've seen the tears. I've seen the notes. I've helped or tried to at least help bear the burden. But I want, to, I want you to be able to walk out today with a little more perspective, a little more pep in your step a little more get up and go because I know that this is nothing new. In the words of the great Julian Edelman, MVP of the Super Bowl 53, he says, tough times don't last, tough people do. And you may not feel so tough right now, but we've got a tough God. Tough times are all around us. If you don't know, ask the Salmons. If you don't know, ask William Dillon or Normie. If you don't know, ask the Jansons. If you don't know, just turn to your neighbor. They've probably got something going on. So we're surrounded by tough times. I'm surrounded by tough times. And it's no surprise that it's as we're moving into two services. It's no surprise. But there's also something else I know. I know that we've got tough times, but I also know that something's up. Something's up. And I don't really know what that means. I don't I can't see into the future for you, Laura. So I can't I don't know your husband's name. I don't know what he looks like. But I do know something's up. There's a shifting in the atmosphere. There is. There's there's a shifting of culture. There's just some things moving that I can't really necessarily put a finger on because it's supernatural. But I don't know if you can feel it in your spirit. I don't know if you can feel it deep down in your soul, but something's up. It's literally the title of my sermon today. Something's up. (laughs) That's how vague we're going to be today. Something's up, man. All right. God bless. We'll see you next week. Something's up. There's some growing pains, there's some attacks, there's some valleys, there's storms, there's trials, but there's also some good things too. There's also some miracles in motion. There's also some breakthroughs around the corner. Something's up. So I want to see if we can pick Abraham's brain for a few minutes and get him to share some things about when he felt outnumbered. Let's pray. God, would you just send your spirit We know he's here when two or three are gathered. In your name, there you are in the midst. And we know that you're in the waiting. This church is in a season of waiting. There's families who are personally and individually in seasons of waiting. And we're on bated breath because we sense your presence near. We can't put a finger on it, but we sense your presence shifting and moving all around us. And something's up, God. Help us to learn from the life of Abraham. In Jesus' name, amen. We don't have really a, a text per se because we're going to be flying around Genesis a little bit here and there and everywhere. But I want to start with Abraham because, well, it's the earliest patriarch in this chronological journey that we're going to study the next five weeks. So he's the first one. But it's also good to start with him because I think we're all a little bit familiar with Abraham. Each one of us knows at least a song about Abraham. Am I right? Anybody out there know a little song, a little tune about Abraham Drake? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had... You already know. Go ahead. Don't let me stop you. This is is spiritual worship right here. Amanda Jansen, look at this room full of worship leaders. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them, and so are you. Right? You know it? Do you know that song, Am I All Alone? Karen doesn't know it. We'll have to teach her this one. But catch this. Catch this. I want, I want to lay something on you that maybe you didn't realize before. The only thing that Abraham was known for is the very thing that he was without His entire life. He went a hundred years before he saw the promise of God turn into reality. Yet it's the one thing we sing about. Thousands of years later. He spent his whole life without that promise. He spent his whole life in the waiting. He spent his whole life waiting on God. He spent his whole life without sons. Without a single child. A hundred years, Jamie. Jamie. A hundred years, and yet it's the one thing we remember him by. Many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them, so are you, which is true. We'll get to that in a second. But let's start in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. This is the beginning of the beginning. This is the calling of Abram. He's not even named Abraham yet, because when God moves in your life, he often renames you. So that you have a new identity, but that's a sermon for another day. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation. Can't do that without kids. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And those who bless you, those who, excuse me, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And then how many of you guys would like that promise? (laughs) Dude, anybody who curses you, I'm going to drop the hammer. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse you and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. How many of you know that's talking about Jesus Christ, the Messiah? And once you are found in Christ, you are part of Abraham's family. You're a part of the Abrahamic covenant by faith. So God says, get up, Abram, let's go. I'm going to make of you a huge family. But you got to move. One problem, God, don't know where to go. I don't know exactly where you're calling me to, but I'll go ahead and get up and go. But I just want to make sure you know before you pile up all these dreams and aspirations for me. <laughs> I'm 70. God, I'm 70. I'm 70. No offense. I love the plans. I love the great ideas. I have no problem moving, but I am 70. So I just wanted to throw that in there for you. His age was against him. Talk about all the ways that Abraham felt outnumbered. That's what we're doing. His age was against him. He was literally, Robbie, outnumbered. He was outnumbered for having kids. Time was against him. But all throughout the rest of chapter 12, we don't have time to read it today. You know what Abraham does? In 12 verse 7, he builds an altar at Shechem. And then in chapter 13 verse 4, he's in a new place. He's at Bethel because again, he doesn't know where he's going. So he's just kind of wandering around. In chapter 13 verse 4, we find Abraham building another altar. And then again, in chapter um, 13 verse 18, he finds himself at Hebron. And guess what he does? Again, He builds an altar. So when you feel outnumbered, worship. When you feel outnumbered, worship. If you don't know what in the world God's doing, worship Him anyway. If you don't know what's next and you find yourself in the middle of that valley, the trial, worship. Build an altar. That's what Abraham would tell us. Abraham built altars everywhere he went, and he didn't even know where he was going. Can you imagine Eliezer? This is the trusty old sidekick of Abraham. His name is Eliezer. And he's kind of in charge of Abraham's estate. He's in charge of all the workers. Back then, this was not just, don't picture it as, you know, Raven, Travis, Lincoln moving. This was like a major undertaking because Abraham was a wealthy man. He had hundreds of servants, thousands of cattle, tents and tents upon tents. So this was like a massive movement to get up and go somewhere and Eliezer as the trusty sidekick might have said Abraham where we going I know that God's promised you a place I know that there's dreams and aspirations for a great nation but where we going Abraham and Abraham's like I don't know but we're going to build an altar here because this might be the place and we'll just worship here and then he moves from Shechem to Bethel and Eliezer says wow this is great is this the place is this what you had in mind, Abraham? We could really settle down here. And Abraham says, I don't know, man, but we're going to build an altar and we're going to worship here because that's what we do. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where we're going. A few minutes later, it's time to move again. And then they find themselves at Hebron. And there's Abraham building an altar worshiping. And Eliezer says, hmm, this, this might actually be it. I mean, look at these luscious green valleys. Look at the water supply. It's everywhere. Look at how happy everybody is in this location. Abraham, is this it? Is Sarah pregnant yet? Is is this where we are? You're going to keep me updated, right? I mean, I need to know the minute that Sarah's pregnant. I'm your right-hand man. If we're going to make a great nation, look at all this land at Hebron. We could really settle down here. And Abraham says, I don't know. We're in the waiting, but I'm going to worship. So when you feel outnumbered, worship. Abraham ends up waiting a hundred years. He ends up moving several times more to get the kid that God promised to him. I don't know about you, but in my life, I find it hard to wait a week. It's hard for me to wait seven days on something God promised, yet, Abraham waited a lifetime. 100 years brings me to the next point. When you feel outnumbered, wait. When you feel outnumbered, wait. It seems anticlimactic. Wait, so you're telling me that when I feel surrounded, when I'm literally closed closed up on every side and there's literally nowhere to turn, I'm just supposed to sit there like a lame duck and wait a little longer? yes. Because, you know, the worst thing you could do is take matters into your own hand. You know, the worst thing you could do is rush the timing of God. That's what Abraham would tell you, because in Genesis 17, we find him doing that very thing. He says, God, so I decided to help you out a little bit. You've promised me a great nation. you said that all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed by me. I don't have a kid. I kind of think you forgot about me, to be honest, so Sarah's got this uh, handmade thing going on, Hagar, and so we're going to take matters into our own hand. And you know what happens? Ishmael was born. And Abraham said, okay, now we got something to work with. I have a son. And God says, nope, that is not legitimate. Big red X over that. That's not the way I was going to do things, Abraham. You took matters into your own hand. You rushed the timing of God. So, I'm going to make you wait a little bit longer. <laughs> I don't know if that's really the situation. But I wonder sometimes if God made Abraham wait till he was 100 because he decided to rush God a little bit. I was going to do it for you at 90, bro. I was going to let you procreate at 90, but since you went ahead and did things on your own, now it's 100. I'm not letting you see Sarah until she's 100 years old. I don't know. But when you feel outnumbered, wait. When you feel outnumbered, wait. Not only was Sarah, this, by the way, was her idea. It was Sarah's idea. It's the worst thing you can do is to take matters into your own hands. It's the worst thing you can do to rush God's timing. But not only was this her suggestion, we also find her laughing at the promise of God. When God appeared and God promised once again to Abraham to keep waiting, I've promised you a son, I meant business, Sarah's in the tent laughing. God doesn't mean that. There's, it's not even possible. There's no way. I'm 90 years old. The odds were stacking up. Sarah wasn't the only thing working against Abraham. His circumstances were working against him too. He had a lovely, lovely, lovely nephew named Lot. And he, we find all throughout Genesis that Abraham is bailing out Lot time and time again. One time... It got so bad between the two families because Lot had quite an established following as well. And they came to one of these promised lands. They came to one of these spots where it was beautiful, where they could have really settled down. And you look, everywhere you look around was green, luscious, a great place to spread out and establish family roots. And things were so tense between Lot's servants and Abraham's servants that, Lot, that Abraham says, fine, fine. It's not good for us to be together. We're so at each other's throat. I'm going to let you pick. And when, finally, when Abraham got to a place where he said, this has got to be it, God. This has got to be it. God says, nope. Get up and move. Leave this for Lot. And Abraham does this, just that. He says, Lot, you can have this wonderful, well-watered plain. I'll move on to the desert. Abraham literally moves to the desert while Lot takes the fruitful plains. I don't know who this is for, but if you ever felt like you finally arrived at a season in your life where God can bless you and all of a sudden it's ripped out from under your feet and given to somebody else, whether it's a career, a promotion, a kid. When you feel outnumbered, wait. Wait, God might have something else for you. God might be trying to make the possibility of things more and more and more scarce. Do you know what I'm saying? He kind of moves us to the brink of impossibility is what I'm trying to say. He kind of continues to push us, he, he continues to push Abraham farther and farther and farther away from his promise. He's pushing Abraham away from his promise so that in Abraham's mind, the promise gets bleaker. The picture gets darker. It seems more and more impossible. And God says, good, good. I like that. I like that. Let's, let's Let's let all the odds stack up against you, Abram. We find Abraham had to bail Lot out from getting destroyed by a massive alliance of kings. So what happened when, when Lot took this fruitful plain, you know, he didn't even stay there. It's like, that, that was the promise of God for me, Lot. And you wouldn't even stay there. So he gave it up. He actually moved into the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And there was this huge alliance of kings that overtook the king of Sodom and Gomorrah, and they took Lot. They took all of his stuff, and Abraham had to get his army together and go bail Lot out and get all the stuff back. Imagine that. Imagine somebody, it seems in your mind, from your perspective, stole your blessing right out from under your feet and then didn't even keep it. They gave it away and moved into the city. I'd be so angry, but Abraham bails him out. Abraham's a family man. What can I say? And then we finally find, I love how Hebrews 11 puts it, by the way, when, when whoever the author of Hebrew is, is recapping Abraham's story in the hall of faith as we know it. He says, and God finally came through on the promise for Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham, by the way, this is literally scripture. Abraham, by the way, when he actually had a son, was as good as dead as good as dead. And I wonder if you and I feel that way sometimes in the middle of our mess, in the middle of whatever God has next for us, in the middle of being outnumbered. Some of us are to the brink where we literally feel, well, I'm pretty much as good as dead here, God, so any time now would be great. Good as dead. In other words, God's saying, now that it's impossible, I'll give you a son. And in Genesis 21, that's just what he does. You can read about it. Abraham's 100 years old. Sarah's 90 years old. And they conceive and bear a son. Impossible. Now that it's impossible, I give you a son. When you say, I can't, God says, now I can. Thank you. Thank you for finally Throwing up your hands in surrender because at this moment, I finally pushed you to the brink of impossibility where I can actually start working. It's an impossible situation. Good. Some of us fail to realize that when we say we can't, we're in one powerful place. When you say you can't, when you describe a situation as in your life as impossible, you're in one powerful place because impossible is God's buzzword. His ears perk up. When you say the word impossible, when you start throwing around, I can't, it's impossible. It'll never happen. God's ears perk up. That's his buzzword. My buzzword is toxic masculinity, but that's a subject for another day. We'll talk about it later. I won't get into it right here and right now, but you say toxic masculinity around me and I'm going to come fight you. Because that's my buzzword right now. But if, if you say the word impossible around God, he's, there's no quicker way to bring God to his feet. He's going to move. He's going to do something because he's finally got you to a place where you cannot. That's just how salvation works, isn't it? When we finally get to the place where we say, God, fine, I cannot save myself. I've been trying to fill all my voids with different things. I've been trying to shove sex, alcohol, drugs, relationships. I've been trying to fill the void with all kinds of different things and I'm realizing I cannot. There's no saving of myself I can do. I can't try to keep the Ten Commandments I'm not good enough. I can't go to church enough times I still feel guilty walking out. There's still much, so much shame from my past. I cannot save myself. Good, because I sent somebody who can. I sent a Savior on a cross who bled and died for you who rose again from the grave three days later, because you cannot, I can. What was impossible for you to reach God, it's impossible for you to birth yourself into God's family. It's impossible for you to reach those pearly gates all on your own. But God says, I can do it. I can do it for you. What's impossible with you is the very essence of what I'm all about. Trust my son. Believe in Jesus. I don't know if you ever felt outnumbered like the odds are stacked against you, but I have. I've had outnumbered kind of weak this week. Just discouraging kind of weak. My marriage wasn't so great last weekend at this time. Just a lot of unnecessary strife and tension. And then, last Sunday happened, and I know what you're going to say. I know you're going to say, Jim, you're not supposed to be focused on things like that, but we had the lowest numbers we've had in five months last Sunday. Right on the brink of two services. You understand where I'm coming from? It's like, dang, maybe we don't need to do this. Uh, God, if you've really called us, To move into two services, we're going to need a little bit more people in here. Otherwise, I'm going to be preaching to the front row only in three weeks. I felt outnumbered. It's like, no, Jim, that's actually, you weren't outnumbered because there weren't a lot of people here, so you shouldn't feel it. But the discouragement of low numbers outnumbered me. You see what I'm saying? You see where I'm coming with that? So... It was things like that. It was, it was carrying the weight of burdens. I know people in here are bearing, and I'm, I bear some of that with you. I feel the pain. I understand the struggle. It's been dealing with Donovan's health again this time of year. It just always seems to take a dive. And then it was culminated by a really discouraging meeting about the parking lot situation on Friday which I can tell you more about next Sunday night at 7 p.m. Don't miss it. (laughs) Get that plug there. So yeah, bad meeting. A very bad, no good, awful meeting on Friday about the parking lot. But that's okay. But all that to say, I felt outnumbered. I feel like you're right there with me. I feel like we're all in the same boat a little bit. After all, it is tax season. Some of us feel outnumbered by all the numbers Some of us feel outnumbered by debt that we feel we'll never be able to climb out of. Some of us feel outnumbered by waiting on that kid. I know several that are fostering here. I know several, well, at least one, they're trying to adopt. And you've probably felt outnumbered by that situation. Maybe it's a spouse. Or the possibility of a future spouse that's just like, You might feel like Sarah this morning. What is it? Going to be I'm 90 before some guy walks across my path? Maybe it's a career. You just feel so trapped. You've been in the same situation over and over. Nothing seems to break. There's no promotion in sight. There's no moves that are making. And it's just like, I feel that I'm in an outnumbered situation. I feel like the odds are stacked against me. Maybe it's health. Maybe this is just a season where you cannot get over all the stuff. It's one thing after another thing after another thing after another thing. And you feel outnumbered. Maybe it's more of a spiritual situation where you're just missing out on that peace. You're missing out on the joy, the comfort, the that spirit of victory, that spirit of an, of an overcomer that's just lacking in your life, that's lacking in your spirit, and you're ready to throw up your hands and say, God, it's impossible. Is it ever going to come through for me? Is it ever going to move? Is anything going to shake? Is anything going to happen? And I'm here to tell you that is good because something's up. Something's up. I believe on the way to your greatest breakthrough lies your greatest battle. I believe that. I've always believed that. On the way to your greatest breakthrough lies your greatest battle. And here's what I mean by that. When God's people get excited, when God's people get unified about something, when they get a hold of a vision, a unified purpose, a unified message, a unified cross, when they get aligned with the blessing of God, Satan will attack. He will. He always does. I was telling Megan this this morning. When God's people get excited, when they rally around something, when we're all in unison about a common goal, and we've been working hard on that this year already, Satan will attack, so it's no surprise. It's no surprise. So after Abraham rescues Lot, he's like 90 now, by the way. He's been so faithful to listen to obey God. God says, okay, I probably ought to encourage this guy a little. He's getting to the point where I want him. He's just getting to the brink now where that I word is looking pretty realistic. He's probably just about ready to give up and label this whole dream, this whole future as an impossible situation. And then we find Genesis 15, 1 through 6. So let's look at that here on the screen. And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Abraham probably says, dude, <laughs> come on, let's just, let's just get right to the chase, God. Oh Lord, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Was this, was this your plan? Was this your sick, twisted plot, God? Is the, is Eliezer my heir? Is that it? Was that, was that the whole point of this thing, that my servant was going to Continue and carry on my name. You give me no offspring and a, member of my house, and a member of my household will be my heir. Verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven. Number the stars, if you're able to. And he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And finally, verse 6, and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. God says to Abraham, hey, come out here for a minute. Come out here. Get out of your tent. Come out here. Look up. Just take a minute and look up. Look up at all the stars those are your promises. Look up at the stars. Can you number them? Go ahead, try let me Let me see you start. And Abraham gets to like halfway through the Milky Way and he's like, 1,500,000. He's like, okay, God, I get it. I'm outnumbered. I'm outnumbered. Literally, the only thing outnumbering Abraham were the promises of a faithful God. That's what was outnumbering Abraham. He couldn't even, listen, can you number the stars? have you ever tried? Well, it's cloudy today. So God God says one other thing. We don't catch this in Genesis chapter 15, but we see this in Hebrews 11. We'll read about it in a little bit. But basically, God says, your offspring, Abraham, is going to be like the stars in the sky, but it's cloudy out today, so we can't go out there. Or like the sands of the ocean. And yes, I brought a jar of sand. Have any of you tried? Have any of you ever gone to the beach and tried to count sand? Well, you've come to the right church. And this is just a little bit of sand. I mean, we could buckets on buckets on buckets on buckets. And I find it ironic. Every time we go on vacation, where do we go? We go to the mountains or the beach? Why do you go to the mountains? So you can distract all the noise and have a clear view and number stars. Why do you go to the ocean? Because once again, the bigness, the vastness of the moment... We're always, as humans, trying to find ourselves in in, as a lesser in, in, in a story of something bigger. Whether it's the mountains or the beach, I find that ironic. God made those two spots as vacation spots because that we would see his bigness, that we would get lost in his bigness. And when you feel outnumbered, I came to tell somebody today, watch. Just watch. Watch. When you feel outnumbered, worship. When you feel outnumbered, wait a little longer. When you feel outnumbered, watch for God. Just watch because there's going to come a moment where he says, come out here and look at this. Just come out here and look at this. Would you look at this? Look at the stars. Can you number those? That's your promise. Can you go to the beach and number the sand? That's your promise. So let's try. I'm going to give you some promises and we're going to count sand. You ready? If you feel outnumbered, look up. Get lost in the bigness, bigness of God. If it's cloudy, then look at the sands in the ocean. Let's start with one we all know. I will never leave you or forsake you. How about that? This is going to be hard. Let me use this seashell to comb these sands over here. Um, I will never leave you or forsake you. Uh, another one. You are sealed by my spirit until the day of redemption. Another one. I have given you authority. I have made you a son or daughter an heir. Um, I will keep you in perfect peace. I will draw near to you. No weapon formed will prosper against you. I will, oh, I already said that one. My mercies are new every morning. I will renew your strength. Uh, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. You will run and not be weary. You will walk and not faint. When you walk through fire, you will not be burned. I have removed your sin as far as the east is from the west. I will not remember your sins. I have blotted out your transgressions. I am doing a new thing. I will give you water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. What I have spoken, I will bring it to pass. What I have purposed, I will do it. I wait to be gracious to you. I will be your stability in troubled times. I am the abundance of your salvation. I am the treasure of all your wisdom and knowledge. As a father, I will make known to my children my faithfulness. And that was just Isaiah. I didn't even get through a tenth of these little grains of sand, and that was just a little snippet of Isaiah. Not even 60, Karen. Just probably about 10 or 12 chapters I pulled from. And it's just to tell you this. God, okay, you got me. I'm outnumbered. I'm outnumbered. If Abraham were here today, you know what he'd tell you? The only thing outnumbering you are the promises of a faithful God. If Abraham were here, he'd tell you that when all hell breaks loose around you, when everything is going down around you, something's up. Look up. Look up. There's a story in the stars if you would just take time to realize that something is up. In conclusion, I just want to tell you a story that encouraged me that I was just blown away by this week, early this week. We had kind of a low Sunday, which happens. I know I'm over it, okay? Okay. There's no need to come up to me after the service and say, Jim, you know, you really shouldn't be counting numbers. It's the people that matter. I already know. Don't tell me. I don't want to hear it. It just, it happens, okay? It's going to happen. It has happened. It will happen again. So I don't want to hear about it. Don't even say anything after the service if that's all you have to say. But earlier this week, we had a low Sunday, and then I was working through some stupid things that that you know frankly I failed the test in my marriage a couple of times this past weekend and then I was bearing the burden of just hearing about different things that were going on with families around the church and then we had ignite which was Monday night to start a prayer meeting every other monday night you need to come to that and we were praying and we were praying I was praying for encouragement They can tell you some of them were here. I was praying that God would give us a sign. And then Will prayed right after me, and he prayed along the same kind of thing. He said, God, would you just flex for us? Would you just flex? Would you just show up in a mighty way? Then I heard more discouraging stuff about somebody's family. And then I was, it was Tuesday, and I was sitting on my front porch. I had just come from the gym. I was just sitting there, and my wife comes out. She sits beside me. We're good now. Things are repaired and um, I had just finished reading my Bible and I came across a verse in Isaiah 52 verse 10 and it said the Lord will lay his arm bare so that the nations will know his name think about that the Lord will lay his arm bare I don't know about you but that sounds like God was flexing to me why else would he lay his arm bare? I mean, what else could that mean? If God's laying his arm bare, that means he's like, look at this bicep. Would you look at it? If you can't number the stars and you can't grain, name the grains of the sand, just look at this bicep right here. I'm about to flex on your situation. And in just that, I had literally just read that verse and I texted Will. I like, said, dude, And then, I don't know where you were on Tuesday, but then I hear this weird sound. It was coming from miles away. And I don't know if you remember on Tuesday what happened with the weather, but there was a crazy windstorm out of nowhere. And I I don't know about you where your house was, but it didn't even rain at my house. There was not a drop of rain. It was just a weird, sensational windstorm, just powerful wind. Out of nowhere, and I could hear it coming. From, I'm like, Alyssa, is this a tornado? Do we need to like hunker down in the bathtub? Because it, it was like that whistling wind sound, and you, I was like, and it just got black in a matter of seconds, and then it was just like whoosh, and it was done. And I mean, it, it just came on us, and I was like, chills from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, and I don't know about you, but I felt a spiritual, supernatural shift in the atmosphere. It was God flexing for me and my wife, because she never comes outside to sit beside me. (laughs) Y'all get on to her about that. (laughs) But the one random time she decides to come out and work on the schedule beside me, this crazy thing comes across in the middle of nowhere like, what just happened? This is wild. And it was just God saying, I am involved in your story. I am in the waiting. I am aware that you are outnumbered, and I've got one better. I'm outnumbering your outnumberedness. I've got one better. I'm going to flex on your situation so hard, you don't even know what's coming. God is so involved in your stuff he's so big he's so involved in your stuff and I hate to say it but I kind of get excited when Satan attacks hardcore because I know something's up I get that tingly sensation that God's fixing to flex because you know the truth is you are not outnumbered by your situation You are not outwitted by your circumstances. You are not outsmarted by Satan's attacks. You are not overwhelmed by the trial. You are not outmanned by the storms. The only thing outnumbering you today are the promises of a faithful God. And when everything's going down around you, remember something's up. Look up. What's your story in the stars? You know Jeremiah 29, 11? You might need to be reminded by that verse today. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And while you're waiting, know that God is in the middle of it. Know that he is worthy of your worship. Know that he's going to move and shake, and shift. So get ready to watch. I want to close out by sharing with you the passage from Hebrews 11, and we're done. This is the culmination of all of it. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful, who had promised. What a 180, right? She did a 180. Praise God. And from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Look at God. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? If he's going to do it for Abraham, he'll do it for you. He'll do it for this church. Do you feel outnumbered? Good. Good. Is your situation impossible? Good. Worship. Wait a little bit more. Worship a little bit more and watch God. Watch God. Let's pray. Some of us here today probably ought to get on a knee. Probably ought to leave our chair and find a place at this altar or find a place in your row where you can bow your knee, bow your heart, bow your head and ask for forgiveness for trying to circumvent God's timing, God's plan, God's dreams and purposes for you. Some of us are guilty this morning of trying to move things around and shift when God's not ready yet because He's not, He doesn't have us on the brink of impossibility and that's what He's waiting for. He's waiting for your situation to become totally humanly impossible. He's waiting for you to say, I can't. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody's going to be looking around. Would you, if that's you, would you get along with God? You can come up here. You can bow at your seat. Just take a knee and say, God, I'm humbling myself. I have not been busy worshiping, waiting, and watching. That's what I ought to concern myself with. Some of us haven't even taken the time. We haven't even taken our eyes off of our situation long enough to get out of the tent and look up. We haven't even come out of our tent, out of our circumstances, long enough for God to show us the stars. And that's the point. He who holds the stars will surely bring your purpose and your victory to unfold before your eyes. But he's waiting until you become outnumbered. We're going to sing the same song we sang before the sermon. And it's my prayer that we as a church body would become closer knit, closer unified, and closer to God. And you do that by having a moment of daily repentance. You do that by saying, God, you are so much bigger and so worthy, so worthy. So it's my request and my prayer that you would take a knee either in your aisle or come up here and just have a moment with God. Reflect on the words of this powerful song that capture so beautifully what we read in Genesis today about Abraham and the stars. Something's up, guys. I don't know about you, but in my life, there's a shifting of the atmosphere and the spirit of the Lord is heavy. He is present. He is moving. And while Satan is busy lining up and stacking up the odds against my life, God, almighty God, is saying, would you come out here, Jim, and would you look at the stars? Would you look at the grains of the sand? Because you cannot number those. And while you are feeling outnumbered, I want you to worship, wait, and watch me. Keep your eyes on me. Watch me, watch me, watch me. Keep your eyes focused on me. That's where I want to be. I know deep down in your heart, that's where you want to be as well. Ask God today, fresh and anew, to show you the stars. Ask him to tell you, The story in your stars. Ask Him to remind you about all the promises that are at your disposal. Ask Him, God, I want you to outnumber anything. In my heart, anything in my life, anything that I feel surrounded with, any attack from the devil that, by the way, will not prosper, no weapon formed will prosper against you. He has plans for you, He has purposes for you, but He needs you to have that moment of surrender. Where you describe it and define it as an impossible situation so that he can begin to work? God, we're overwhelmed by you. Help us to worship while we wait. In Jesus' name that we pray, amen.